First Peter 2, the end of chapter 2. Remember last week, Peter kind of turned from chapter 1 and really talked about who we were, who we are in Christ and what Jesus has done for us. At the beginning of the chapter 2, he talked about things we need to get rid of. We need to put off malice, jealousy, slander, all of those things that don't create the health in any relationship or with any group of people. Uh, but one of the main themes that he shared last week is, is our identity in Christ. Uh, he, he talked about that we are, we are God's chosen. He talked about that we're, we are royal priests. Did anybody walk around this week and say, I'm a royal priest? Don't do that. That's weird. But you are. That's what the Bible says. Uh, that you're his chosen possession, that you're holy, that you're set apart. Incredible things. The, the way God sees you pales in comparison to the way you see you is what we talked about last week. And I want to share the quote we capped last week with uh, from Henry Nouwen. said, Jesus came to announce to us that an identity based on success, popularity, and power is a false identity. Is that the identity our world says chase after? Most certainly. Henry says it's an illusion. Loudly and clearly, he says, you are not what the world makes you, but you are children of God. Our identity is in Christ, in Christ alone. And uh, I'm going to be really honest about this next section in chapter 2. Uh, Peter takes a little bit of a shift. His focus goes from theological to very practical. And it's tough stuff to hear. Not only that, it's, it's actually tougher to, to put into practice. And uh, you'll see why here in a minute. That, but we as Christ followers are called to live at this standard that, we're gonna, that he's going to share about. And, and what Peter, the overarching theme is, is that when we trust God fully when we trust His Word fully, when we're obedient to Him fully, that we can live free lives. We can live in freedom. Most of it, There's many in our world that think God's Word is like the, the book of restrictions, right? Look at all these things in here that God says you can't do this, you can't do that, you shouldn't go there, and you shouldn't think this, right? I would argue the complete opposite, that God's Word is if you want to experience maximum freedom in your life, if you want to experience joy, unspeakable, it's a good old hymn, uh, in your life, then that will take place when you're obedient to Christ. When you do it His way, you will experience maximum freedom. I like to think of God's Word as could be guardrails for our life so that we can, we can live the, the, the full free life that He's called us to. So let's jump in and read 1 Peter. I'm going to go back, actually, to, chat, to verse 11 and 12, and we'll start there. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, let me remind you again, we're not of this world, we're citizens of heaven, uh, foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Which Peter says, I just told you about like a few verses ago. Get rid of malice, get rid of jealousy, get rid of slander. And then he says, live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves to the Lord uh, for the Lord's sake to every human authority. That's the verse that's tough to, to put into play. What Peter's saying here is we need to put God in His rightful place in our lives. He needs to be the center of our lives. That's our value. Jesus is the center, right? That God is in control. He's the one we yield to. And one of the primary ways that we do that is we submit to those that are in leadership, that are in authority over us. Which, that doesn't sound too bad if the people that are in authority and the people that are in leadership over us are nice, right? Or they're not jerks. They're not harsh. They're not evil. 
They're not ungodly. And Peter says, if you want to honor God, one of the greatest ways you can do it is honor those in leadership and in authority over you, to which his audience, remember, uh, that they would have heard this for the very first time. Who is the governmental authority over them? We talked about it. Nero, right? Emperor Nero. And for them to hear, you need to submit to, you need to respect, you need to honor Emperor Nero. What is he doing? He's killing Christians. He's scattering Christians all over, uh, all over the Middle East. He's splitting families apart. He's creating havoc. And Peter has the gall to write to these persecuted Christians. And both, oh, by the way, one of the ways you'll honor God is by honoring and respecting, by honoring and respecting Nero. How can this be, right? After all he's done, after all he said, after all the evil that has taken place in, in this particular time, at this, this particular day, Peter would say, honor him, respect him. He is one that's in authority over you. I don't like that, right? And in 2019, um, we kind of think of people that could be in leadership over us as well. Maybe think of somebody at your work or maybe a political figure, Right? And they're not the nicest person in the world. And you would see this verse that I'm supposed to submit to every human authority. And you could make, well, God, you must be, that must be a recommendation or a suggestion. Because you're surely not asking me to, to, to respect and submit to this person, right? I mean, do you know my boss? <laughs> do you know the, the person that I have to report to? Do you know the room that's, that's filled with people that I don't even agree with or align with? And you're telling me... To, to, to submit, to submit to them. Here's the deal. I think every single one of us in here want our lives, they want, we want them to count, right? We, want to, we would all say as Christ, we want to be used by God for big and for great, for great things. And I think that's true. That's our, that's our deep desire. But we want to be used by God all the way up until the point where it costs us something. Or all the way up until the point where I read a verse and it's like, submit to every human authority over you. And it's like, I, don't like, I, I, I like the love verses better, right? Not submit. It's one of those words that has a ton of bad you know, connotations around it. And what I found is often we can have mindsets. We have ways of thinking. We have ways of doing things today in 2019 that are not God's ways of thinking. They're surely not His mindsets. And they're not His ways of doing things. So, so we look at God and we look at this passage and say, well, that's all great. I, I like the idea of, of respecting and honoring people, but not my boss, right? Not the person that's in charge, not the person that's in charge of me. And I personally believe this has become a cancer in our culture. It's become a cancer in America. It's become a cancer in the local church. This idea of respect and honor and, 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 and loving, right? Those that are in authority over, over us. Spiritually speaking, how many of you in this room, husbands, have, have had a great idea in your mind, but it wasn't your wife's idea? How did that turn out? Did it turn out good, right? Not usually good. And spiritually speaking, God has a plan for how we should respect authority, honor authority, submit to authority. And if we would just say yes to that, uh, just as husbands, you would just learn to say yes, right? We would all be so much better off spiritually in our walk, in our walk, in our walk with Christ. God's given us free will, though. 
He didn't create any one of us. He didn't create me. We're not spiritual robots. And here's our free will choice. We can either choose to to do life maybe on his terms, I don't know if that's the right word, or his way, or he gives us the free will to say, nah, and we can do it our own way. And the same thing is, is true when it comes to authority figures in our life. He's created a plan. He's created a way that he wants us to interact and to react to leaders and authorities in our life. And we can say, God, I yield to that. I trust that you're right. I trust that you're good. Or we can say, you don't know my boss, right? You don't know the people that are in charge of me. There's no way I'll ever submit. I'll ever submit to them. Imagine these first century Christians. Emperor Nero, is he worthy of being submitted to? Is he an honorable man? Is he someone that's upright and, and, and someone that's just a good guy? Not even close. Imagine how tough it was for them or for countries where there's oppression going on around the world. And it's like, if you're asking me to submit to, to that or to them, you, you must be off your rocker, right? So how do we do it? When we have someone that's harsh, someone that's tough, someone that's like, I don't know, maybe not them. I mean, I'll submit to everybody else, but not them. Well, Peter answers that question, and he gives us some thoughts in, in, in the rest of the verses, starting in 13. He says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake and, uh, to every human authority, whether to the emperor, the guy that's persecuting you, uh, or uh, as a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those to do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And then this is a verse we should probably have written that we look at often. Verse 16, it says, live as free people. We like that. I like being in freedom, right? But then he says, do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. That's, that's a different ballgame, the second part of that verse. Show proper respect. Verse 17, imagine a a, 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 your, your workplace or this church or this community or this world living out these four things. Show proper respect to everyone. Would that be a game changer? Most certainly. Uh, love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And then Peter goes into to speaking specifically to the slaves. He doesn't condone slavery. He's not for slavery. People that are in slavery or in some of the worst of the worst of circumstances, the last thing they probably want to do is yield or submit to the one that's in authority over them. And here's what Peter says. He says, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, not to the ones you just like, right? But also to those who are harsh. Yikes. <laughs> that's the tough verse. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? All you did was receive a beating. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Why? Because you're not honoring just your, the person that's over you. You're honoring the one that's supreme over all, that's sovereign over all, sovereign over all God. To this you were called because of Christ's suffering for you, uh, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. We're going to come to that at the very end. Peter, Peter squares it all up by saying, okay, let's go back to the ultimate example. And he's going to look, he's going to, look to Jesus. I don't know about you. I've really enjoyed 1 Peter, and I always have enjoyed this, this letter. 
all the way up until this chapter. <laughs> this is tough. This is tough stuff for us to think about. I don't necessarily like this plan uh, when there's someone that seems so harsh and so tough. I don't always, in my heart, my carnal side, agree with this plan. How could God call me to respect, to honor, to submit to somebody that's harsh or a jerk or tough, right? How on earth could He do that? Well, Peter, he talks about it here in verse 12. He says, we're not of this world, we're citizens of heaven, therefore we live differently on this world. He said, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Well, how do we do this? How do we live out such good lives that, that even though there's accusations coming at us, that, that we live out in such a way? And here's how we do it. Peter gives us the answer in verse 13. He says, the way you'll carry this out, and believe me, it's not going to be easy. Believe me, first century persecuted Christians that I'm writing to right now, this is going to be so hard. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Even, even when it's uncomfortable. That's tough. This word submit, um, it's one that I, I said is surrounded by negative connotations. It's a verse that we're going to read about in chapter 3 next week when it comes to even a more intimate relationship. But what Peter's talking about here, we have, we have a wrong view, I think, of, of submit. Uh, submission is not you're lesser than. You don't walk through life being lesser than. But submission is you, you submit, you yield to, you fall under someone else's Someone else's leadership. And it's a choice. It's a free will choice that we make. We don't do it because that person's great. We don't do it because that person's awesome or they're worthy or, or, or they're so well-deserving. We do it, Peter says, because it honors our God in heaven. So when we submit and honor to those, those people in leadership or authority around us, we're, we're not even really doing it unto them as much as we're doing it unto Unto God. It's a hard issue, Peter says. It's a hard issue to say, well, I'm going to yield, I'm going to submit myself. Did, did Emperor Nero deserve this? No way. Did the people in the, the first century persecuted Christians like it? I'm guessing they didn't. I, I wouldn't if I was in their situation. And Peter begins to talk about some of the, he's talking about the governmental authorities in their life, Emperor Nero. But I want to make just one comment about that before we, before we move on. I think as Christ followers, especially Christ followers, we need to learn to maybe to stop or, or just learn to, to do this, to, to not put our hope in, in a political system, to not put our hope in a political leader or, or a president or a, or a, or a party, right? We're not going to get to heaven someday and God's going to commend us and go down the list and say, man, you held so tight to your political party. Here's an extra crown, you know. Uh, he's not going to say, man, you, you held so tight to your ideals. Great. But you know what we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be talking about with God when we see Him in heaven? Uh, how well did you hold tight to the way I told you to live? Were you obedient to my word? Were you obedient to the call that I, that I placed on on your life. And so often we, we can put our hope in all the wrong things. We can get stirred up about it and all worried about it and frantic about it. And our, our hope is in Christ alone. That's where our hope resides. And Peter's words to the persecuted Christians were not a, were not a suggestion. 
Uh, they, they, were, they were a command to them. Because he wanted them to understand submitting to those in authority at work, submitting to those in authority at, whether they're in, their, they're in a political office, is you're actually submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're submitting to God himself when we submit to those around us. We can't create a list. I don't like them. I don't like the way they think. I don't like the way they do things. Emperor Nero, did they like the way he thought and the way he did things? They didn't. But they were told to honor and respect. Let me, let me remind us of this. Wrote a few things down for us. Remember this always when you get all worked up about what's going on in our political system. God is sovereign over the nations. He's never going to be dethroned from that role. God is sovereign over the officials in our government and in our actions as they affect us, whether it be directly or indirectly, things you don't even know about yet. God's sovereign over that. God is sovereign over the officials of government in lands where our brothers and sisters are being persecuted for their faith in Him. He's supreme over all. God is even sovereign over the nations where they're attempting to stamp out Christianity. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But our calling, the thing we're called to be obedient to, the thing we're called to carry out is to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Submission's not easy. Why? Because it's a choice. And I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like submitting to people that are jerks. Do you? Or somebody in authority over me that's harsh. It's like, no, I'm going to move on, you know. Uh, and I don't want to be around them. We're, we all fit in that boat. But it says submit yourselves. Here's, here it is. Freedom in Christ. Christian freedom doesn't mean we walk through life and just do whatever we want and let Jesus clean up the mess as we go along. Freedom in Christ means we're obedient unto Him. We submit ourselves to, to not only Jesus, but to human authorities, to those in leadership over, over us. To live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So what's that look like? Is Peter talking about live arrogantly? Live full of pride? Live like you're better than others? No, no, no. He's saying live in such a way, live such a good life, that it's better for others. So some of you may have a boss, somebody in authority and leadership over you. What if God puts you in that place and He has you there for a season to be Jesus to that person? What if nobody else is even praying for that person but you? What if you were the one that's called to be there? That's what it looks like for us to live such good lives among the pagans. Not for ourselves, not to say, man, I'm such a good person, but for other people. One of the things I love about Peter, he did it at the beginning of the chapter as well. He, he doesn't just throw out these big ideas and say, good luck, go figure it out. And he doesn't, he doesn't do that in this passage either. In the, the second half of chapter 2 in verse 17, uh, he gives us some, some practical ways that we can live this out. Some practical ways we can, we can submit to, we can honor, we can respect those, those in authority. And here's what he says. Imagine a world where this goes on. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I want to unpack those for a moment. If we want to live peacefully with people at work, people in this community, people in this church, people around the world that we interact with, I think Peter shares four things here. If we could figure this out, we would be leaps and bounds ahead. He says, show proper respect to everyone. What this means is show, show value to every human being. 
Humans are not possessions. Humans are not objects. Humans are not expendable. But we show respect. That means to show honor, to show value, to show esteem to every human being. Believers should, should especially be conscious of that, that God made everyone in His image. That we should show respect to everyone. Should we be concerned about politics? Yes. But we should be more concerned about how we treat people. And that's what Peter's talking about. Imagine the sin. Imagine the oppression. Imagine the junk that could be removed from this world if we just figured this one out. There'd be no more shootings because we'd be respecting everyone. Uh, There'd be no more war. There'd be no infighting. There'd be no more country against country. There'd be no more sex slavery or oppression going on around the world. Why? Because we would, we would have learned to show value to each other. We would have learned to show proper... Re- this seems like such an elementary thing for us to get. But God knew a couple thousand years later, we'd still be struggling to figure out how to do it. The second one was love the family of believers. Maybe politically speaking, Peter would be pointing to, uh, don't let political stuff begin to tear apart the local church. Be able to have frank, candid conversations with one another, but still at the end, you, you wrap your arms around one another and you love each other. To love the family of believers means you respect one another. Remember back in chapter 1, for those of you who were here that week, we talked. To, Peter talked about love one another deeply. Deeply love one another. Agape love. Sacrificial love. A love that always looks out for the other, for the other person. Especially in Peter's day. Imagine this group that's running for their lives. Kids are, it's a mess. Families are going everywhere. People are being persecuted. People are being killed. And Peter says in the midst of it, band together with the way of love. What a beautiful picture for us. And church, you all are doing it. I get an inside picture of it every week to see how this body of Christ loves one another deeply. Love the family of believers. Respect everyone. Fear God. I like to think of this of keep, keep God in His rightful place. Respect, reverence, honor, submission to God in heaven. In, in, in chapter 1, Peter encouraged these, these Christ followers, hey, in view of the cross, in view of everything that Jesus has done for you, he said, live out your time as foreigners here, in what way? In reverent, in reverent fear. We're called to respect and to love God well. I think a proper uh, and healthy respect, uh, the result of that will be proper and healthy obedience to a God that deserves it. What it looks like is we say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go with your plan. I don't even know where it's going to take me. Kind of scary. But I'm going to go with your plan because my plan always has holes in it. It's always faulty. It's always bent towards me. So God, I choose your way to fear God, to live in holiness. And the third one he says is to honor the emperor and we've already shared it, that when we honor those in authority and in leadership over us and around us, it honors, it honors God. I want to share three quick verses with you. We're going to fly through them so fast. Write them down when it comes to you getting mad watching TV about politics, all right? You can go back and read these. Romans 13.1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. These authorities that exist have been established by God. So let me ask the the big elephant in the room question. Does God put people in authority that cause destruction and cause harm? 
Because we know that many people throughout Scripture have been in authority that have done that. And we know right now, living today, there's authority figures around the world that are causing destruction and causing harm on, on, innocent, on innocent people. And my answer to that question is I don't know the answer. I don't. We'll have to ask God when we get to heaven someday or somebody in here is theologically smarter than I. But one thing I do know is this, is that we're called to do something. And while I haven't figured out all this, this part of why, he puts, why people are in certain spots, um, I do know the call on our lives is pretty clear. That we're to walk in obedience. And we're to be obedient to every human authority in our life. Our job is to obey Him and leave the consequences up to Him. Let Him be the judge. We're not the judge and the jury. I have a quote in my office. Every time I hear a good one, I, if I have a pencil and paper, I'll write it down or just type it up. And this was years ago. Uh, Charles Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley said this. He said, God is responsible for the consequences of your obedience. So you're obedient to God. You're walking in His ways. You're doing things His way. And stuff, suffering, hardship comes your way. God's got your back. He'll take care of you. But then the second part's a little more sobering. It says, but you are responsible for the consequences of your disobedience. So you're disobedient to God's word. You decide my plan's a little better than his plan. Uh, there's consequences that come with that. And uh, Dr. Stanley's grandson's going to be with us in January. Looking forward to that. We'll give you more information, but it's going to be a great weekend coming uh, in January. We're called to be obedient, to submit. Why? Because it honors, it honors God. We have to get to a place in our heart where we say, God, I trust your plan more than I trust my plan. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when the authority figure doesn't deserve it, right? I'm going to yield to you. Titus 3, you can write this down, 1 and 2. Titus 3, 1 and 2. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. It's another part of us honoring everyone that's in authority around us. It's a part of His plan. It's His way He wants us to interact and to react with every leader that's over top of us. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. I urge you then, first of all, that uh, that petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people, this is important, wants all people to be saved and come to the foreknowledge of the truth. If you have nothing, if you're available on Tuesday mornings at 9.30, we have a, a group that prays in, in, in one of the rooms, 215 upstairs. They pray for our leaders. They pray for a laundry list of needs in this church. It's a great opportunity for you to live out this First Timothy. But one thing that's made very clear in this passage is we're to pray for those in authority, to pray for those in leadership over us. How many of you, when someone's harsh, when someone's negative, when someone always has a final word for you and they're your leader, the first thing you think of is, man, I want to pray for you right now. Or how many of you think, I've got a knuckle sandwich that's ready for you, right? That's where we usually go. We're called to pray. Petition, intercession. What's the, what's the whole goal for that? Verse, verse 3 and 4 told us. For their salvation. They may see something in you. They may, they may see something that you do 
they may understand who Jesus is because you are living like Jesus in front of them with the hope that they come to salvation. Are you praying for your leaders? Or are you just criticizing your leaders? We serve a God in heaven that would much rather hear our prayers for our leaders than hear all your opinions about our leaders. How many of you, if you're like me, you got a lot of opinions about a lot of subjects? Anybody besides me? But we serve a God that, eh, we can talk about him once in a while, but we serve a God that would rather hear our prayers, our intercessions, our petitions for them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's easy for us to submit to a leader when they're nice. It's easy for us to submit to a, a leader when maybe theologically we align or we like them. But the tension comes when we have to submit to a leader and the attitude comes of I don't want to submit when they're harsh and when they're, when they're ugly. Let me ask another tough, tough question. Uh, what do you do when a leader that you're supposed to submit to and be an authority over um, ask you to do something that's against the will of God and they, 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 they call you to do something or you're commanded to do something that goes against the will of God? We, have, we love all the what-if questions, right, when it comes to theological uh, things. Uh, I don't know all the answers to that other than let's go back to John 4 real quick, Acts 4 real quick, and look what Peter and John, what, what took place in that story, when they were preaching Jesus like crazy, lives were being changed, people were coming to Christ, the early church was flourishing, and the religious leaders, the, the council says, you need to stop speaking about Jesus. Should they have submitted to that authority and said, all right, no more Jesus talk, right? Here's what happens. It says they, they called them in again. Here they come. Peter and John won't quit talking about Jesus and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, this is good, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen what they see, they saw a guy go to this grave, die, and three days later they saw him alive. That's what they saw and, and what we have heard. The answer to that question is God is to be the center of our lives, right? Jesus is the center. He's the focus point of our lives. So when we're asked to do something that goes against the will of God, that goes against God's word, in that moment we have to humbly say no. We have to humbly say no. And we have to be willing to accept the consequences and the suffering that will come along, that will come along with that. That's what we're called to do. King Darius. Remember the story of Daniel and King Darius? Uh, you need to pray unto me. He says, no, 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 I'm going I'm to pray unto God. Three times he did the exact same thing, and we know where he ended up. He ended up in Daniel 6. You go, you, your kids heard the story, the, the lion's den. So there he is, he's facing the consequences, the suffering of his choice to say, no, no, I'm going to yield to God first. And it says in verse 16, the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you, taunting him, saying, good luck. <laughs> you're in with some fierce animals now, you're finished. And we know God was responsible for the consequences of his, his obedience. What about the three Hebrew boys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story? Back up a few chapters in, in, in Daniel 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, they had this huge golden idol, and they said, everybody, every man, woman, and child is going to bow down and, and, and worship this golden idol. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we can't, we can't do that. We refuse to do that because their allegiance was to God alone. And here's their answer in Daniel 3, 16 and 18. I'm obviously giving the cliff note version of this. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are all thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And this, is the, this is the crazy part of this whole passage. But even if he doesn't, even if we face hardship and persecution and suffering, and we don't even come out on the other side, we still want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Why? We don't live according to your plan, King Nebuchadnezzar. We live according to God's plan. Even if what's coming next is the most less than desirable thing that we could ever experience in our life. Was God responsible for the consequences of their obedience? He was. He said, throw them in there. Heat it up seven, eight, ten times hotter than it already is. And we know God took care of them and was with them. I close with this. Peter comes back in this chapter. There's so much in this chapter we should have, broke, we should have broken this up. It's too much. Um, and he comes back to the ultimate example. And the ultimate example is Jesus. Listen to what he says about Jesus in verse 21 through 25. To this you were called. You were called to submit to every authority, every leadership, every person in your life. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. He already modeled how to handle this stuff. That you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in him. When they hurled insults at him, if somebody hurls insults at you, what do you do? You usually have a comeback, right? We all do. Jesus, not so much. When they hurled insults, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he didn't find the quick fix, or he could just speak the words, and he could have been, everything could have changed in that moment. Jesus didn't do it. He made no threats, the Bible says. Instead, what did he do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly, his Father in heaven. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For we were like sheep going astray. Our sin debt was so big. We were in a mess. The human race was in a mess. But now you have uh, turned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. First century persecuted Christians, you're going through some of the most awful things you could possibly go through. Oh, it's a big call to submit, to yield to, to honor, to respect Emperor Nero. I get it. But we serve a God in heaven. His Son, Jesus Christ, modeled to us, going through some of the worst of times, of what it looks like to not only submit to human authorities, but in the exact same moment, entrust Himself to God. Could Jesus have just blown it up in the minute as, the, as they are hurling insults in one? In a second. Could Jesus have gotten down from that cross and just walked home? <laughs> he could have in a second. But he didn't do either one. Instead, verse 23 says, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Many, many times we want to take justice into our hands. Eye for an eye, right? But Jesus, the ultimate example, he entrusted the justice thing to his father, in heaven. And instead of maybe what he maybe wanted, 
this is an awful situation. He yielded to God's plan and he submitted himself to the authorities and he had trusted that, you know what, this stinks, but God's got my back. God has my back. Let's live such good lives, church, that even though accusations may come our way, that people will see Jesus in us. Why? Because we're not like the world. We don't tear down and rip apart and, 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 and say awful things about leaders and people in authority over us. Instead, we pray for them. We live quiet lives. We live lives that yield and submit to them. And I want to close with this. I want to give a great reminder. There's no local leader. There's no state leader. There's no national leader. There's no leader around the world that's ever going to dethrone God from His sovereign place. It's not going to happen. So because of that, we can have some bad leaders in our lives and we can submit to them because it honors, it honors God. As we prepare ourselves for this last song, there's some people in this room that you are the leader. There's a lot of people in your lives that, that whether it be employees or they look to you, you're their boss. And I want to say this last thing and as we close. Peter didn't talk about it a lot. But if we are in leadership, and all of us have leadership and influence over someone, we must first remember as Christ followers that we are under, we are under an authority first. We are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ first. It's not puffed up, here I am to lead you, and I'm your great fearless leader. No, no, no. We are. It, it changes the way you lead when you first understand, no, no, I'm under authority. God's given me authority for this season. It's going to come and it's going to go. I'm not going to be at this place forever, whatever it may be for you. But first, we're under authority, and that will never change. So we submit because we submit unto, unto God. Let me pray. God, thank you for this passage. It's tough to read. It's, it's even tougher to live out. Because, a matter of fact, this week or the week after and this next month, we'll get mad at our bosses or people in authority over us or, or people that are leading us or people that are leading in political offices and we'll look to them and think, this is the craziest thing. I, I can't submit. I can't yield. I can't respect them. But God, we're not doing it specifically because of them. We're doing it because we want to honor you. We're not fully putting our trust in them. We, we do it because we fully have put our trust in you. So God, help us to figure this out because this will be a lifelong journey. But I believe when we do figure it out, We'll be more like your son, Jesus. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.